The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, this is Alexis Haynes, and welcome to Recovering from Reality, where I illuminate the messy and magical path of coming home to yourself. Whether you're on the road to recovery, seeking self-care techniques for surviving the capitalist machine, or just need a moment to remember that you're not alone in your loneliness, we're serving up the ultimate truth. Your challenges don't define you. How you deal with them does. So, are you ready to recover from reality? This week, I am joined by Jess and Kate from the Seltzer Squad pod. And we are sitting down to have a really fun conversation about sobriety. I always say that there's no one path to get sober. And it's actually interesting because I recorded this podcast several weeks ago and I talk a lot about my journey from, you know, being in AA and regularly attending to stopping altogether and what that has been like over the last couple of years. And just a few weeks ago, I actually resumed attending AA meetings and I've I think I've said this in the podcast episode that I did with Evan. I have absolutely nothing against AA. When I left, it was for a number of reasons. Um, But at the end of the day, I'm just really glad that we have this program and community. And right now in quarantine, I'm feeling more than ever, like what I need and what I miss most is community, is is knowing that there's other people out there who are walking a similar path to mine. So this is a great episode. It's really fun. We talk about our different journeys and our individual experiences and what's worked for us and what hasn't worked for us. And so with that, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. As you can see, my quarantine life is very hectic. I can't keep on top of my schedule, but how has it been for you guys? Jessica, are you single or you do you live with someone? Um, no, I live with my fiance. So, you live so with yeah, and we just moved in together. Uh, we weren't really going to move in together until July, but because of the quarantine, it kind of... Uh, jump started everything. So we've been on top of each other like 24 seven. We work together, but we're not working right now because I'm a tattooer and I can't practice right now. So we are just like, you know, trying not to kill each other, but you know, it is what it is. And Kate, you're married. So you don't live by yourself. I don't, I have not had a minute alone in three and a half months. But at the other end of that, I can't imagine. Right being alone. Agree. Yeah. I would not do well. Mm -mm. I have like two of my best friends are single and live alone. And they're both like, they were spiraling for a minute because Mm -hmm. it's just, it's crazy. And I guess like also if you're actually isolating and quarantining yourself, then it's like just really hard. I feel like a lot of people aren't because they're just going so stir Mm -hmm. crazy, but I would not be able to do this by myself. I don't think I'd be a mess. You were saying that the bars are open and doing takeout. I didn't even know that. I'm sure they are in LA too. I just had no idea. Yeah. I kind of find that a little bit sad. It's so sad. On the one hand, you're happy that they're open and they can do business. But on the other hand, it's like creating... I don't care about bars doing business. I don't. I I don't. (laughs) But um, the thing that pissed me off is at least where I'm at in Brooklyn all the liquor stores were deemed essential. So the only places in the beginning that were open still were grocery stores, that kind of shit, and liquor stores. And I just think that that's... Why can't you get your liquor at the grocery store? It's different here. You can't. They don't sell liquor in grocery stores. Oh, wow. I have no idea. I know. It's very bizarre because I used to live in Jersey and in Jersey, you can. Mm -hmm. So I think it just um, is different from like county to county or state to state. So yeah, it's different because I know when you're in California, when I went to California, I remember once going to Target with my friend and she like stocked up on beer. I'm like, we're at Target. How can you buy beer here? It's like a West Coast thing. Uh Yeah, I guess so. Um, So the bars are open. My husband's Canadian 
And in Canada, they have like specific liquor stores. They're only open certain hours and you're only, I think, allowed to buy a certain amount. Which huh. is, they like ration you. Is That's what, interesting. From what I understand. I'm in the, I'm like, we left New York or New Jersey City and went up in the, we're up in the upstate New York and we're right by Pennsylvania. So it's closer to go to Pennsylvania to stock up on stuff, but they can't sell beer or liquor in the same store. So it's like, you'll see like a cigarette store, a beer store, and then a liquor store. It's like very oh, that's weird. Yeah. What a bad business he plan. Drinks gin, so he'll like, when he figured it out, he was like, I had to go to three stores to like find hard liquor, which is, so it's just weird. The state laws, but it's bizarre. So, well, I mean, I guess I wouldn't say, okay, here's the thing. I'm not a party pooper. If you want to drink, you fucking drink. And I have no problem with you drinking. I think a lot of people, like when I talk about sobriety or talk about, you know, I say controversial shit, like everyone's addicted to something. I believe that. Like Mm -hmm. (laughs) I get shit for that, you know? And when I talk about a lot of the feedback I get sometimes, it's like, you don't want people to have fun or just because you couldn't handle your alcohol doesn't mean that like, I can't handle mine. And I certainly don't believe that like all liquor stores should necessarily shut down. I think that a lot of alcoholics would be in a very dangerous predicament Mm -hmm. if that was the case because it's Some people are physically addicted. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's dangerous to detox off of alcohol by yourself for anyone who's listening and considering sobriety. Consult with your doctor. But at the same time, it's like... I think in quarantine, a lot of people are going, wow, my relationship with alcohol and drugs is really unhealthy. Totally. We've had a lot of people in our Facebook group, like trying sobriety now because their routines have been disrupted and their social circles have been disrupted. And I feel like it's a, it's a good time to try it because you're not in the social situations that you were before. You can like, like I call this period of early sobriety, the hiding period. So you can like literally hide right now. Yeah. And then at the same time, I feel like a lot of people, things are slowing down. And I think for many who abuse substances, it's like, our lives are so fast paced. We never really go, okay, pause. Like, how is this affecting my life? And is it affecting my life in a negative way? And is this something that I want to continue doing? If you even have the insight, it sounds like you Mm. both kind of had that insight. I didn't. I am the type of person like I need to get two felonies, go to rehab, fuck, burn your fucking, burn the house down, down to the ground. That is the type of person. I, I never had this moment of like, I've been at the bars a lot and drinking too much and it's excessive and I'm blacking out and like not, it's like blacking out was like, great. Like that's just like every day of the week, I don't care and overdose and all of the things. But I think that there are a lot of people who do have that insight who are now, now that life has slowed down and they're at home drinking the same way that they were when they were in those social circles, they're going, Oh fuck, this is probably, probably like, this is wild. <laughs> yeah. Cause then yeah. you're also like, if you're at the bar and you're just drinking, you don't see like the dishes piling up of like how many the glasses I should say mm, or the, the bottles. bottles it's just constantly being taken away from you and like here you're like oh shit like look at my recycling right now like this is insane I don't know that's, that's what point. I was just thinking of but also I feel like a lot of people at least in New York or whatever that's just what everyone does it's like oh let's just like meet for a drink like meet at the bar and a lot of people drink just because they're at the bar and like not because they like want to even drink it's just like the thing to do And I feel like now that you're not in those bars and stuff, maybe they're like, oh, like, why was I drinking so much? Like, I don't enjoy or I don't need it. I don't know. I feel like it's hard to say since I'm not drinking. As a proud Thrive Market member, I get all of the products that I love and my paid membership provides a free one for someone in need, like a low-income family, teacher, veteran, or first responder. Thrive Market tailors to over 70 different diets and values like paleo, keto, and plant-based. They are delivering the highest quality organic and sustainable essentials from groceries, healthy snacks, meat and seafood, clean wines, non-toxic cleaning, and bath and body right 
to your door. As a member, I am saving 25 to 50% off traditional retail prices and their carbon neutral shipping is free on orders over $49. The savings I get on my favorite clean organic products are amazing, but I also feel so good about helping support communities in need. In addition to membership matching, Thrive Market has raised over $750,000 to date through their COVID-19 relief fund. As you guys know, I'm a huge fan of Thrive. I love how easy it is to use their app. All I do is type in paleo and all of my favorite paleo foods show up right in front of me. I don't have to go looking through each individual type of food. It's just right there. Their meat and seafood is absolutely delicious and it's so easy to use. And as a busy mom of two kids, you guys know that I love easy. I am a proud Thrive Market member and you will be too. Try it risk-free. Go to thrivemarket.com slash reality and join today. You'll get up to $20 in shopping credit for your first order. That's thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E, market.com slash reality to start your risk-free membership and get up to $20 off your first order thrivemarket.com slash reality. Hi, we're Carlene and Jill, hosts of Breaking Beauty Podcast, the show all about the breakthrough people, products, and moments in beauty. On our show, you're going to find hella inspiring guests like Emily Weiss of Glossier, and you'll get beauty tips galore from the top pros in the industry, like Kim Kardashian's makeup guru, and you'll hear skincare secrets from the likes of Dr. Pimple Popper. Plus, you'll get shopping help with our Damn Goods episodes, where we review the latest products hitting store shelves to let you know what's actually worth your money. Listen every Wednesday to Breaking Beauty Podcast. Um, I think a lot of people have realized how much money that they're saving. Like, you know, mm. we talked about this a lot about like you're rich when you become sober because you just don't spend a million dollars anymore. Yeah. I've seen on social media, people are like, they're either not drinking like they used to, or they're buying alcohol and drinking at home. And they're like, I have all this money now because I haven't been going out to the bar. So I feel like you're right. Like it's probably hitting people in different, in different ways. I mean, I think that there are such, there are so many people that are out there that, you know, we're, we've been hearing the last couple of years about the sober curious movement. And I'm wondering what your guys' audience, uh, you know, the feedback you've gotten. I think there are so many more people out there that are just like, I just don't want to do this anymore. Yeah, I think so too. I love Facebook. Kate, you're still on Facebook. So you might see it more in our Facebook group, but I feel like sober curiosity is huge with our, like our listeners right now. Mm -hmm. Would you agree? I think it's like, I mean, on the one hand, they can dip their toe in, right? It's like kind of non-committal. You can like, you don't have to say like, I'm sober. You don't have to do the alcoholic Mm -hmm. thing. Like you don't have to do a lot of the like work and part of me thinks that that can be like a spiritual bypass, which annoys me because they're not showing up to like feel the feelings. But the other part of me is that if it helps somebody make the decision to get sober and that's their journey, then I'm here for it. I think younger people and younger generations are just overall more accepting of different ways of living your life. I feel like older people, it was like they needed this black and whiteness of Mm -hmm. decisions and you had to like fit into a box or a stereotype or you drank or you didn't drink. And I feel like, you know, millennials, younger, Gen Z, whatever, they're like, cool, you don't drink, cool, you do drink. Like you're just able to kind of find your crew a little bit easier. And that's probably due to the fact that we're like the age of the internet, you know? Yeah. Did either of you, when you guys got sober, did you go the traditional AA route or did you do something different? Well, I got sober a couple times. So the very first time, I think I was like 24 or something. I went to a few meetings and then I like went back to drinking like regular. And then when I got sober again, a few years ago, I went to a couple of meetings, but it, it just wasn't for me. I was like the very first meeting I had gone to, I was the only girl. I was the only person under like the age of 60. And I know that it's all about like finding the right meeting and stuff. I eventually went to a couple others and it just, for me, it wasn't for me. So I'm like, ah, I'm fine. Like, I don't feel like I need it. Um, I think that everyone, you know, I feel like you should always try it, but I just feel for me personally, it wasn't, I don't know. I can't, I can't explain it. It just, I feel like it's a little more negative 
And I just like to do it my own way, listening to podcasts, reading books. And I just felt like that was a more positive way for me personally. Do you go to therapy? Hell yeah. Okay. So there you go. Yeah. Um, Jess and I have the same therapist, but we don't go together. No, (laughs) we do. We don't go together yet anyway. Who started seeing the therapist first? It's Jess's therapist. I have recruited like so many people yeah. to my therapist. I love her so much. I'm the yeah. same way. I'm like, do you need a therapist? I have a great one. Her name's Donna. She's excellent. <laughs> yep. I'm always like, you got to call Jody. Call Jody. She mm-hmm. probably can't even take more clients anymore, but uh, she's great. And uh, when I was finding a therapist, that was the first thing I, I did when I decided to get sober. I was like, I need to find a therapist first and foremost and deal with my shit. And so I found someone on like psychology today and I made sure that they dealt with like addiction issues. So. Yeah. I love that you can filter on psychology today. Like it's the issues, best. Sexual abuse. That, that, uh-huh. that, 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 that. Age. <laughs> yeah. I wanted someone that was like older than me, but not like old where they're like out of touch. Like and 70. I wanted a woman. Yeah. So that was kind of like a blessing finding her. Mm-hmm. I love her. And what about you, Kate? Well, like you, I didn't know that drinking was the responsibility for like all my problems. And I, it didn't, like, I never had like explored treatment as an option, but the first time anybody brought it up to me is that I got arrested for the drunken disorderly conduct and assault perhaps. And I was like, I need to go to therapy. Like, I don't know what's going on with me. And allegedly, and (laughs) The therapist was like, well, do you think that it's because of your relationship with alcohol? And I'm like, it was literally the first time it had ever dawned on me that like, oh yeah, maybe I, when I was blackout drunk because I took a Vicodin and drank two bottles of wine and then assaulted a cab driver, like maybe drinking and addiction has something to do with it. But up until that point, it was like never, you could always blame it on something else. And once I crossed that bridge where she pointed it out to me, it was kind of like the seed was planted. Like you don't go back from that moment. Like once you kind of realize that you have a problem, it's always there. So, I mean, of course I didn't quit then. Of course I kept drinking for like five more years and kept, you know, hitting various degrees of high bottoms and low bottoms and, you know, whatever. But it wasn't until I got sober for a year and didn't do anything, just got sober and just didn't drink and white knuckled it and then relapsed. And it was right after I had gotten married was when I was, I had relapsed. and then. I was like, okay, I have to do this. Right. I mean, I think at the time this was four years ago now. So there were like a handful of podcasts and I was reading sober blogs and things like that, but it wasn't the movement that it is today. And so I thought the only option for me was to go to AA. So I started going to AA meetings and I mean, I, I found it helpful, but I think I agree with you, Jess, that it made me feel worse about myself in a lot of ways. And it also made me feel like I was always walking this very dangerous line where relapse was always around the corner. Like I was scared all the Mm. time that like literally fucking Tuesday could happen and I would like blow up and become a full blown alcoholic again. So I think for me, it was just made, made me more anxious. And I knew the second time of serious sobriety had to be different and my toolbox had to be different. And so, you know, Jess gave me the resource of her therapist. Jess and I have like our sobriety and relapses occurred at different times. So maybe oh, yeah. that's, help, that's helpful in the long term. When I was sober first, then you got sober, then I relapsed, then got sober, then you relapsed. So you know, she was able to share those resources with me. And then I was able to kind of start doing, start doing the work really. Yeah. And like the first time that I got sober, I just quit drinking, but then I really started doing drugs a lot because I just thought that drinking was my issue. Oh, I've had lots of fun with that. Yeah. And like, you know what? I'll just do those waters. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, I just have addiction issues. So yeah, I would be like, well, I'll still go out. I just won't drink. I'll just like do all the Coke or do all the K or just whatever. And then I was finally like, oh, I think I, I think I need to quit everything. I kind of had the opposite experience where like, I did not enjoy treatment. Treatment saved my life. Like hindsight treatment was a great, like I needed to be in that controlled environment. But AA for me was great because I found young people AA meetings and developed a community. And I was, let's just dive into for a second, like the myth 
that like getting sober equates to the most boring life for the rest of your life and you're never going to have fun again. But so I was going to these young people AA meetings, like West Hollywood midnight meetings where there's trans people and a lot of hot lesbians, which I'm by. So that was great for me. And there was young, hot guys in like biker jackets. And we would all go to like the diner after and eat chili fries and like have fun. Right. So for me, yeah, it was, it was like, I found that. And then I found an incredible sponsor who was like this hippie chick that lived in Topanga and was like my ideal like woman. Like she, I like wanted to be like her and that lasted for several years until I had done the work and the desire to continue to check out of my reality had been gone. And so I would hear people say these scary things that aren't even in the big book. There's all these sayings that people say that like, just make no sense to me. Like the first one that comes to mind is we don't drink, we don't use no matter what. Like if that fucking worked, I would have been sober a long time ago. Like I can't tell you how many times I'd either been like overdosing or this close to overdosing or my sister overdosing or I'd been raped or whatever, where I was like, I'm not doing this again, no matter what. That doesn't work. Like my willpower back then was like not, happening. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and even today, so like, I'm grateful for the experience. Like the steps did teach me so much about myself. I later on needed to dive into therapy and specifically trauma therapy. And I've done, I talk about this EMDR, neurofeedback, cognitive behavioral therapy, traditional therapy, and transcranial magnetic simulation. I literally feel like I've tried it all. And all of it was great. It's just like I needed more. And there was a period where I felt like I kind of had outgrown the rooms. And I would hear Mm -hmm. people with 20 years say, I'm always this close to a drug or a drink. And I was just like, bro, that's not where I'm at. Like, I'm like, we're like light years apart now. Like I've dealt with my trauma. I'm in therapy. I've worked the steps. I've got a great community. I live a life of service. Like I just don't vibe with that. And then I would leave feeling anxious. Like, mm-hmm. oh, if I leave the rooms, like, am I gonna am I gonna relapse? Well they tell you that you will. They're you like will. You absolutely yeah. will. You absolutely and so will. you're like the fucking grim yeah. reaper is on my back. <laughs> so then a few of my friends left and they were fine. And some of them did return to drinking and they were fine, which was weird. And that's like I don't want to test the waters there, but like cool if you yeah. do. And then my husband left. And we had met in AA. My husband was like Mr. Fucking 12 Step, like poster child, like spiritually fit, meditating, doing all the things. And he left. And I remember saying to him, like, you better go to meetings. Like, you're going to relapse. Like, all of the stuff that I had heard, he was like, I'm fine. And that's so powerful not, though, even to like observe as being a partner to somebody yeah, that like, I feel strong enough to, to do to this. Do this. And I realized that like, okay, I have to let him do his thing. Like this is his journey. This is his path. It's okay to like let go and let him explore that for himself. And then, yeah, I just started recognizing like, I think that's the benefit of a mindfulness practice. And that's something that you learn more in, you know, a therapy type setting is like, how do I feel after I leave an AA meeting? Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm leaving feeling worse than I did going in. Today's episode is sponsored by Osea Malibu, the original plant-based results-driven skincare line. Osea puts your health and the health of our planet first with their potent skin and body care solutions that are pure, safe, and effective. Osea stands for the four elements of wellness, ocean, sun, earth, and atmosphere. Their entire line is built on these four pillars and pulls from botanical sources around the world to create products that are truly effective. Each product is infused with sustainably sourced organic Patagonian seaweed and active botanicals that create nutrient and mineral rich bioavailable bases. This pure and potent base allows for the products to easily absorb into your skin and effectively bring about balance while targeting signs of aging and skin imperfections. Founded and ran 
by a family of women inspired by the sea, Osea formulates botanical-powered products that have shown proven results for all skin concerns. Osea can help reveal and illuminate your natural radiance. Whether you're looking for hydration, oil balancing, anti-aging, or blemish solutions, every product is sustainably packaged, non-toxic, cruelty-free, vegan, and made with love in sunny Southern California. I am such a huge fan of Osea. You guys know that I pretty much use this entire line from their toners, their blemish balm, their anti-aging body oil. I am the biggest fan. If you're in the LA area, you can stop by Osea Venice Skincare Studio for a facial that will bring forth your inner glow. With personal skin consultations, customized facials, and in-house expert estheticians, stop in to speak with Osea specialists about the best products for you and your long-term skin health. Go to oseamalibu.com forward slash recovering for $10 off your first purchase of $50 or more. Free shipping for U.S. orders over $75 and free samples with every order. That's oseamalibu.com forward slash recovering males stick to the program more than females do. And I feel like it's maybe just a lack of like holistic integration at this point. Like mm-hmm. that shit is so old. Like it just needs like, a, it needs like a rebrand. It needs like, a, <laughs> it just needs to be like a little gentler. Like I think about it too. And, you know, I think Jess and Mai's experience with it put, could have been different if we had sponsors, but like I went to meetings, no one reached out to me. No one gave me their phone number. Like I had a completely different experience and it felt like I left not wanting to drink and like enjoying the sharing that people did, but I left feeling kind of othered. Like I still wasn't even a part of this group. And so I feel like it's, you know, it's still something though, that we suggest to our squad when they're in a moment of crisis, because you can literally go to meetings 24 hours a day. So it's like, if you feel at risk, get your butt into a chair, try it out. And even if you don't like it, that's fine too. But just like, it's like the most available tool on the regular that you can rely on. So go try it and at least see if it's right for you while you sort out getting a therapist and all of the other backend work of it. Because sometimes people are just in crisis in that moment. And I mean, I, I think it's, it can be a viable resource. It's, it really depends on the people, like you said. Yeah. And the group. And I just happen to not find my people. Yeah. That's where I, I get mean, it. Thank God for AA that it's mm-hmm. there. And I think it is such a gift talking about the updating in the program. I think that the the sad thing is that Bill Wilson, who was one of the original co-founders, did end up going on his own path in sobriety. A lot of people don't know that, that he was... He was doing drugs. (laughs) Drugs. (laughs) And, you know, so everybody has their own experience and... You know, some people could say, oh, he was relapsing. Um, And some people could say he was expanding his Mm -hmm. spiritual experience and his life through, at the time, acid. But he also used... (laughs) Dropping acid. (laughs) You know, in the beginning of his sobriety, he used belladonna. I think had he known more about plant medicine or ayahuasca today, he probably would have been using ayahuasca over Mm -hmm. um, acid. Yeah. But... I think it just goes to show you that there is absolutely not one single way that works for everybody getting sober. I think treatment is an amazing thing. Like if you can go to treatment and feel and go to a good treatment center where you feel like supported and encouraged to begin the exploration process, I think that's great. Um, I always advocate And again, I'm not against 12 step, but I don't believe in 12 step rehabs. Like 12 step Mm. is meant to be free. Stop charging people 50 grand a Mm. month to go to your 12 step rehab. Yeah. Don't even get me started on that. Yeah. No, get started. I want to hear your input. I mean, I can't be the only one that feels this way. I'm on the, I'm on both sides of the fence on that one. Like what I was going to say earlier is that what's interesting is that, so I'm exploring my relationship, my codependency, right? So Mm -hmm. I started going to CODA meetings, which are very, they're rooted in the 12 steps, right? So I was like, I'm going to give this a shot. And for me, it's been very comforting to go in the rooms. This is all pre-COVID. I was like making a commitment, going to the weekly meetings and listening to people talk about their codependency. I truly believe that I suffer from codependency before my addictions began. Like 
codependency, I think, is the core for a lot. So I'm really thankful that I'm able to find this community. But then on the other end of it, I recently had a very close family member go through treatment. And, you know, obviously we've become very close because I'm sober and have become like an ally to him. And it was just really painful to watch like my family members not only leverage their retirement funds to send a family member to rehab, to essentially just go through the 12 step program that, you know, I've been kind of integrating. It's like you get a therapist and he wasn't even able to get a therapy appointment right away. Like the psychiatrist at rehab was backed up. And I was just, I was just kind of flabbergasted at like, you know, exactly that. Like just the fucking waste of money that is rehab when you're just going to an AA meeting. Like, is it basically just to like, like, All the things that you mentioned before, right? All the holistic things that you could do, like aren't integrated into these rehabs and these therapies. And it's like, I would rather just take $50,000 and go on like a spiritual journey and like a self-healing. Yeah. Like I could pay for like a Reiki healer, a massage therapist, an acupuncturist. Like I could get a million things sorted out over just paying 50 grand to go live somewhere for a month and go to AA. I think a lot of what Jess and I have explored is that we had to give ourselves permission to have an alternative recovery, right? Like, mm-hmm. otherwise you're going to be battling yourself all the time of like the AA people versus you. And it's like, I think we've just em- entered a new era where you can give yourself, like we provide a podcast and a platform that gives people permission to create the kind of recovery that they want and to show what it looks like for us. Like you've created a treatment protocol that is an alternative and shows what's available. It's like, it's all about permission. Like you said, there's just no one way to fucking do this anymore. Yeah. And I feel like it's only been like with recent years that people started realizing this is not just black or white. There's like a lot of gray area and it doesn't work for everybody. You know, like one plan doesn't, we're not all the same. So if, if, you know, if AA works for you, great it doesn't work for everybody. And that's why I feel like a lot of people end up going back to drinking or using because it just doesn't work for them. So the fact that there's finally like more women speaking up about their addictions, um, just different, like you said, like treatment centers like yours, there's podcasts, there's books, there's just like so many more things available to us now also because the internet. But um, that I think more and more people are finally realizing that they can get sober or just do things differently and what works for them. And it's like, everyone's healthier, happier, more spiritual because there are these other outlets that just, I feel like if I tried getting sober like 20 years ago or something like that, it would have been, this wasn't, none of this would be happening. So I think that um, I'm really grateful that I'm sober in like this time because who the, who the hell knows like what I would have been like, you know, 20 years ago, whatever. I also don't love the emphasis on time. Like, I get it. Like, it's a milestone. Like, I share my birthday just hopefully to, like, inspire people that, like, it is possible to live a life long-term, like, healthy life. But for so many of us, relapse is a part of our story. I mean, I don't... I know very few. I think my husband's, like, one of the only people I know who, like, got a DUI and then got sober. Like, there's just... It's just a part of it. Yeah. And not to like toot our own horns, but I feel like the brunt of this new reality in recovery was born on the back of women, Uh, like creating a more holistic and approachable way of opening this door for people. I mean, I think it's just, again, like thankfully all of this crazy shit has been happening in the last 10 years to kind of pave the way for like us to be able to even be heard in this way. Yeah. Yeah. And like you were talking about relapse. It's like, okay, you don't have to feel ashamed. It happens. It happens to like pretty much all of us. Like, okay, I know one person that she got sober and never relapsed, but for the most part, it's like it's part of recovery. It's gonna be fine. Like, don't I feel like people to put way too much pressure on themselves not to relapse. And you know, it's just part of getting sober or like reminding yourself, oh yeah, this isn't actually what I'm enjoying doing. So I don't know. I, I'm really grateful that I relapsed when I did almost two years ago because I it reminded myself like, oh wait, I don't actually enjoy like getting wasted and blackout and crashing my car and having to apologize to people and opening my wallet the next morning and not having any money and all that stuff. So I feel like for me, I'm grateful 
that I had my relapse because I'm better at my sobriety. I'm stronger in my sobriety today because of it. So, and I feel like with AA, uh, relapse was such a dirty word and a lot of shame yeah. around it. Yeah, you get, they send you back to jail. <laughs> yeah, the shame is so crippling. It's like feeling that like need to go and take that newcomer chip. I remember my relapse and just the shame, like dropping my head and feeling like, oh fuck, I've fucked up again. And going back to day one. Yeah. I just don't like necessarily agree with that. And so I don't know when we're talking about potentially rejigging the whole, (laughs) you know, system, it's almost like I have this desire to create my own thing. I mean, I do have my online course, but it's not specific to sobriety at all. It's not like this is how you get sober. Um, It's more about healing subconscious belief systems that are limiting you. But I almost am like at the point, ladies, do you want to join me? And creating like my own program because people need it. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's funny all the time this, this journey of even just starting the podcast with Jess and sort of like coming out as a sober person, like as a loud and proud public figure has like helped, helped me go back to school. Like I'm currently in college to complete all of my psychology requirements so that I can become like a licensed clinician. Mm -hmm. So it's just, and because I think I even see that there's a space missing between recovery, therapy, coaching, like all of it to me needs to be integrated. Like you have to be, you have to have a spiritual awakening, but you have to figure out the trauma, but then you have to put action to it in order to see long lasting change in your life. Like, I think I've been like a self-help junkie for 15 years of just like Googling all these things and trying all of these different approaches. But I totally agree with you that there's no, like, it it all comes down to integration, I think. And if you can sort that out in a way to where people can follow it, follow it on their own, follow it with your guidance, then really that's where people see the most empowerment and, and create a community. Yeah, we need each other. And I haven't done smart recovery. I don't know much about smart recovery. I know it was kind of like this alternative where you don't have to call yourself an alcoholic and all of that stuff. So I'm not familiar. Yeah, I, I never, I like heard about it, but I also, same thing. I was like, maybe I'll do check that out. And then I just didn't. I know. It would be great know. to create a space for women. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I feel Something that, that I've really feel observed that is that women are so rarely ever taken care of. We are always the ones doing Care-takers. the taking care. Yeah. And I think something that's been always near and dear to my heart is that like, I like to provide a space where people don't have to feel like they have to pick up the slack. And I think that's a big part of women starting to put themselves first. If that's you know, helping kind of outsource their life and giving them the permission to do that. It all starts with like, you're right, like the trauma and digging into the why, healing all of that stuff. And then really just empowering people to have permission to start to live a little bit bigger, to be a little bit more. I mean, I have this whole thing in the course that's who am I? Like most Mm -hmm. of us don't even know who the fuck we are. Like we, we have no idea who we are. We've been so programmed since we were children. And even like, I remember up until very recently, like even within my own self-expression or getting tattoos or whatever it was, it was like, I'm doing this because I want to fit into this mold of being this type of person. And it wasn't until recently where I was like, no, this is like actually not who I am at all. And so having that self-exploration piece, I think that dealing with the trauma and dealing with those subconscious belief systems is so important because it kind of breaks down and it just starts to chip away at like all of, you know, like, or peel apart the onion layers to get to that real vulnerability where we can say, I don't know who I am. I don't know what's best for me but I've got to do something differently and I need to really figure out how to live an authentic life and to show up as myself authentically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think not enough, not enough recovery work in my opinion gets to that core. Like that's where the therapy starts in my opinion. Like that's the work that I've done with my therapist is that you have to go right into the core of that to figure out everything else. And I mean, 
I think what the, the kind of work that you're doing is so amazing. And I mean, I know I listened to one of your podcast episodes where you're talking about untamed. And for me, like that has just been like a, I, I only read it a month ago, but it has been like a total effing game changer game in my, and like, I feel like I am in the middle of a, a complete undoing probably because of this, um, COVID-19 quarantine, probably because of me being in my fourth year of sobriety and hitting a wall. But like, I feel like I'm in that has changed the course of everything for me. And I really believe that that's kind of collectively how women are feeling right now as a whole, whether or not they're even aware of it. Yeah. I mean, so many of us are like silently screaming, you know what I mean? That's how I envision it is like Mm -hmm. the vast majority of women are silently screaming inside. Like I need to start showing up as my authentic self. Mm -hmm. Like this is what makes me happy. This is what doesn't make me happy. I'm no longer happy operating in the status quo. I'm no longer happy, you know, with regards to the untamed. She talks a lot about coming into her own and just learning how to become her own person. And I think so many women are like, they just focus so heavily on their parents' expectations or others' expectations for them. And breaking yourself free of all of that shit is like the most liberating work that you can do is finding out who you are and what the fuck you want to do with your life. And it means time. (laughs) Totally. I think for, for me, at least like the me too movement was kind of the beginning of like women being more comfortable from a mainstream perspective to like be heard. And now I feel like once you open that box, thank God the box is never, the box never closes again. Yeah. I mean, and we're having, um, definitely dealing with learning curves. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like we're still fighting for equality. I was just talking about this yesterday when we need to be fighting for equity. And if you guys don't understand what that means, equality means, oh, we're just all equal now. And it's like equity is lifting up the underdog who's been beaten down for so long and giving them the upper hand to like get, it's like if you're in the ocean and you know how to swim and you just go, oh, everyone else knows how to swim, but not everybody can like get through those ginormous waves. Mm -hmm. And it's about getting them through those waves and about helping them up. And So I think that, yes, we have a long way to go. And um, I think a lot of people are really impatient with that. Like, I I feel that, you know, and I understand the impatience when it's like your life on the line as a person of color, a woman of color, a trans person. And I'm just hoping that we're moving towards this kind of great awakening. And I feel hopeful that we are. Yeah, I mean, I feel responsible also in a lot of ways. Yeah. To yeah. like make Even it happen, like, right? Like it's up to yeah. us. Yeah, I know. Even just like with sobriety, I never thought of like being outspoken about it or anything like that. But then when we did the podcast and I'm like, oh, I just put myself in this position where now I have to be vocal. And that's a learning curve in itself, I would say. I wanted to talk before we wrapped up about um, having fun in sobriety because so many people think that sobriety is like the end of the world. And I so relate to that because I remember being 19 and getting sober and going, you mean to tell me I'm not going to have champagne at my wedding? Like on my wedding, I'm not going to have a glass of champagne. And like, what happens when I go to a concert? Like, you mean I can't have a beer at a concert or like at a sporting event? Like I can't like have a fucking Corona and like chill. You know? I know. I remember like, no, I had the same, same exact thought process. I'm like, how am I supposed to go out and dance if I'm not drinking? <laughs> or like you said, this champagne at the wedding thing or what else? Um, I remember like my first sober concert, I went to like Lady Gaga and like with someone I didn't even like know that well. And I'm like, this is so awkward. What do I do? But I guess just after like what, six months of sobriety or, or whatever, I started to like suss out like, oh, I can still have fun. This doesn't mean like the end of the world. And I feel like when you're first getting sober, that's such a big thought is like, oh, does sober life equal boring life? And it doesn't have to at all. Just dressed up as a hot dog at someone's wedding and danced literally all night sober. 
I love that. <laughs> I've had so much fun in sobriety. And if anything, I would say like sobriety made my life more enriching and more fun. Like not waking up hungover on my wedding was amazing. Like remembering all of the people that I spoke to and the people that mm-hmm. I saw and having those connections was an incredible experience. I was just in Australia a few months ago and I was so excited because every single restaurant had a cocktail list and a mocktail list. And I'm like, oh, great. This is so easy. And there's so many companies now that make like um, alcohol free spirits. I actually have a bottle. I just made mocktails for me and my girlfriend last night. And it's just, it's such an easy thing to do, it's an easy thing to have. I made, I made us daiquiris. Um, and it's just like all I do is replace the rum with the alcohol free. Spirit, it's so dumb how easy it is. And it's like, here, take my money. Like, I'm happy to give you money. Yes. So I can still feel like I'm holding like a fancy, like, you know, coupe glass or, or whatever. And so I'm right there with you. And a lot of, uh, there's a lot of uh, sober bars opening up near us and stuff too, which is interesting. Um, yeah, like there's like Listen Bar, Getaway Bar. These are obviously all like New York based, but it's all sober. It's um, happening. It's happening. But I want to have that in between. Like I, want I was just going to gonna be, say, I have so yeah. many of my girlfriends come exactly. over. Now. I keep alcohol in my house. I know that a lot of people are like, "What, bitch?" Like, no, I do. I get gifted alcohol. Like my neighbors don't all know that we're like sober. Sure. So on Christmas, they'll leave a bottle of wine at my house or whatever. And I have girlfriends that come over and have a glass of wine, and I stick my kombucha in my wine glass, and I have a glass of you know, like kombucha rosé or whatever it might be. You know what I mean? Um, Mm -hmm. I've never had alcohol-free beer. I have no desire to have alcohol-free beer. But I would love to be able to have that fancy drink and to feel a part of and for my friends to be able to have that experience too. Yeah, I agree. I feel like it'd be cool if there was a bar that was like half regular booze and half, you know, non-alcoholic or mm-hmm. just nice mocktails, fresh juices. It's not that track. hard also for it's them to create really, a, a mocktail menu. I know, but some bartenders are like, oh, like, I did I stump you? Like, it, it shouldn't be that hard. But um, I do personally, I am a fan of like alcohol-free beers and stuff. Uh, my fiance, she's more into it. Um I keep the house stocked with alcohol-free wine because she's like a red wine drinker. So we always have... I've never even heard of that. I didn't even know it was a thing. It's a thing. I'm going to have to I'm very into um, alcohol-free red wine. I have like so much of it in this quarantine because I'm like... Yeah. The the, like, I don't know. There's something psychological that still feels calming about it, even though that's probably really fucked up and I need to dig into that deeper. But hey... But right now you're not drinking alcohol. So that's all that exactly, matters. Exactly, yeah. And same thing, like, you know, like I was saying, like my fiance likes wine. She actually, she's an artist. She did a bunch of um, designs for like this wine, like labels. We're going to have a wine like tasting party at our house. Obviously she and I will not be drinking like the actual like booze, but it's nice that she can have like her alcohol-free wine while we do that. You know, I'll have a mocktail or whatever. And it's just nice that there's so many options. On this New Year's Eve, I had alcohol-free champagne. Like, who knew? I actually put together an Amazon list for our listeners. That's just all alcohol-free, like beers, wines, and stuff. And there's actually... I want you to send that to me, please. I'll send that to you. And there's a f- alcohol-free whiskey on that I just discovered. So maybe you'd like that. Again, who knows if it's any good, but it's nice that people are starting to realize that there's a market for it because not everyone wants to just have soda water, you know, like, and I know that it's a slippery slope and very controversial about like alcohol-free beer and stuff. Like, oh, is it a slippery slope? It's like, maybe it is for some people, but hey, some people it's part of their recovery. So there's a spectrum of recovery. And that's what I really want people to understand. It's like, if mm -hmm. you're sober, curious, great. I don't even care if you don't remain sober. If you deal with your trauma, and you're becoming a productive member of society and not ruining not your life with ruining your life if you're not ruining other people's lives i could give two shits if you go back to smoking pot mm-hmm. i could oh, give yeah. two shits and i think a lot no. of people are shocked because they're like you're a treatment center owner and you're sober for almost a decade and your husband is sober and it's like for me the sobriety piece is not Like, I think because we live in such a puritanical society, like we go, oh, this is pure and this is not, and this is right and this is not, and this is what's wrong and this is okay. And it's like, there is such a spectrum. I want people, so for me, 
I do feel like part of my spiritual awakening and my spiritual practice means that I don't consume substances because I like to have a clear mind. That's for me. If going and doing ayahuasca in the jungle is for you, cool. If smoking pot for anxiety instead of taking a benzo is bettering your life, fucking great. Like, cool. And can we talk about the fact that people can be on pharmaceutical medication in sobriety? Oh, yeah. I am. So many people. (laughs) Yeah, I am. Yeah. I mean. I'm on an antidepressant. (laughs) Same. And (laughs) Xanax, but only when you have an anxiety attack. Okay. And you're dealing with it fine. And I had a period in my sobriety where my panic attacks were 10 to 15 panic attacks a day and I couldn't parent. And I've talked about that. I was in the midst of having severe postpartum anxiety, depression, and on the verge of psychosis. And they put me on a benzo for six months while I regulated my hormones and did whatever. Mm -hmm. And it was like, and it was fine. I've had surgery and recovery and I've had to take pain pills and been fine. And you know what? I really do believe that the difference is, is that one, I dealt with my trauma. Yeah. You know what I mean? 100%. Yeah. Two, that I have a strong community around me that I can feel like I can be authentic and honest with. Like if at any point I felt like, oh, I've got to take these pain pills and now this is becoming dangerous and I'm liking the feeling too much and I feel like this can go down a slippery slope. I know I have a community, an amazing supportive husband that I can say that to and not feel shame and judged. Yeah. It can lift you up. Yeah. Yeah. And And it... I think that there's just such a big spectrum and that's often not talked about. And I'm glad that we fucking are. <laughs> yeah. And like you said, you know, I feel like at the at the core of most or many, I should say addictions is trauma that hasn't been dealt with. You know, you know, we're trying to avoid it. We're trying to escape it. So like you said, if you actually have dealt with it, like, Hey, I've dealt with mine. Maybe I could drink normal again. I'm not going it's also to like that. not a box that you check. It's not like it's not. Oh, I'm fixed. Uh, the trauma's gone. Well, I'm glad that you're my people, and I'm glad that you guys are out there spreading the good, the good news. Same. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm so happy. To I love that. That was, that was I like cool. uninvited good news. Everybody loves to hear. Oh my god. <laughs> um, <sighs> but really, that you're out there shining light on all of these topics is just amazing. And I'm so here for it. For anybody who wants to follow along with them, these ladies are from the Seltzer Squad podcast. I will have already put that in the intro, but now you know. I record my intro separately. If you know, you know. Now you know. Um, (laughs) My podcast episode with them will have already been out by now by the time this comes out. out. And where can everybody follow along with you guys on social? We are at Seltzer Squad Pod on Instagram. And our website, if you want to check that out, is seltzersquad.com. And your episode um, is episode 80. For Yeah, so people can just go right to that and listen to you talk with us on our podcast. Mm -hmm. Love it. And I totally had forgotten that we'd already even done that because... (laughs) Surprise! I've recorded so many podcasts. Look at how far ahead you are. I got... Killing it. (laughs) Holy shit. Um, All right, ladies. Thank you so much. This week's affirmation is, I am valuable and will make a powerful change in this world. And so it is. If you enjoyed this week's episode, do me a favor, head over to the podcast app and make sure to subscribe to us, rate us, and leave a review. We have new episodes every Monday and you can follow along with us on Instagram at recoveringfromreality or visit our website at recoveringfromreality.com. 